Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. Reigns without contention, his power can question to be contained. If humble faith, he rules the earth and heavens, his glory knows no measure in the flame. And his burst and past the golden world's space.
mission His power can't be questioned or contained With humble faith He rules the earth and heavens His glory knows no measure or refrain And it's bursting past the border of space Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our hearts Yes, you are Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of All right, I'm excited. This is part three of our series on another counselor. And uh, uh, <clears throat> over the last couple of weeks, we started uh, talking about the role of the Holy Spirit as the, uh, um, uses Greek word, parakletos, uh, and the parakletos or the paraclete, as we might have heard that in the past ourselves, is translated in our Bibles as counselor or comforter, or helper, or advocate. And we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit operates the same way as Jesus operated on earth. And essentially, the Holy Spirit came to earth when Jesus ascended to heaven so that he would continue the ministry of Jesus on earth. Well, if you want to know anything about the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is just look at what Jesus did because the Holy Spirit is continuing the same ministry that Jesus started. Now, the word parakletos uh, is a compound word of two words. And we talked about it briefly, para, uh, which means uh, something very specific. It means near. It means uh, something uh, that is alongside of you or someone that is alongside of you. And so the word para is... In, in, in the sense of the Holy Spirit, essentially means that the Holy Spirit is next to you, is walking alongside you. Wherever you go, He goes. Where, whatever I say, He hears. And so that in itself, as we said in, in the first week, should prompt us, should spur us on to live our lives with certain reverence, right? We have the Holy Spirit next to us. I will tell you one thing. I, you know, we love to be honest and transparent here. And there's been times that Lois and I have had conversations and we were just getting a little heated. You know, I'm that Italian blood inside of me just wants to, you know. And, and I, we thought about it for a moment. I'm like, wait, wait a second. Holy Spirit is right here, right now. He hears every word. He sees every action. He is right alongside me. And so we need to be mindful of his presence. Are you with me this morning? We need to be mindful that he is there. He is the parakletos. Para meaning <clears throat> alongside us. And then the other word that we talked about briefly last week is the second part of the compound word uh, parakletos, which is kaleo. And the word kaleo, of course, we didn't get too far ahead into that last week because the Holy Spirit just decided to, to show up and do his thing. And by the way, I just want to tell you this. If and when, and we know that he does, right? When God touches your heart and he does something, whether it is a 
spiritual sense of relief or God touches your heart or maybe he touches your body and you healed, don't just keep that to yourself. Let us know because there is something powerful in our testimony. And so we prayed for a number of people that needed to receive healing. And I don't know if anyone did, but if you have, please let us know. Some that were going through difficulties and struggles and circumstances last week. I mean, it was a powerful time right here at the altars, just praying that God will move in our lives. And so uh, the word kaleo, uh, it means something very unique, right? And we, I try to put it on the screen in case you wanted to, to have a, take a picture of it. I know some, I see some of you that are doing that. And basically, <clears throat> uh, kaleo has got a very unique meaning in terms of to beckon or to call. It's a call that carries a strategic purpose. It's a call that carries a specific intent and a call that points to a concrete, a very unique and clear direction where God is sending us to. And so we've been focusing on the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because in so many ways, he is the forgotten person of the Trinity, isn't he? If you really think about it, <clears throat> we focus a lot on the Father and we focus a lot on the Son. But we get very uncomfortable when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit is equally God as the Father and the Son. And yet we get so uncomfortable. Now, I said that last week and I want to reiterate this, that if we desire to live an effective Christian life, each one of us, then we must heed to every bit of God's word and not just a few parts, not just the parts that make us feel comfortable. I love feeling comfortable. There's things that I just, oh, I feel so comfortable with this. The Holy Spirit is called alongside us to do a specific word in all of us. And that specific purpose and a concrete direction that he is sending us to. And you know what? We kind of like, we freeze sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And yet, the scripture is very clear. And I read, um, and I mentioned uh, first, or Timothy 3.16 last week, that all of God's word, right? All scripture is God-breathed. That's what it literally means. It's a breath of God. It's the word of God upon men and, and everyone that wrote a portion of the, of the uh, Holy Scriptures of the Bible, 66 books and, a, and a many, many chapters, right? That God breathed upon them his thoughts, his words, his heart for us, for his church. And so we need to heed all of it, not just portions of it. God, God's word is all of it inspired. And it is unbiblical, to eliminate the person and the works of the Holy Spirit just because we are uncomfortable talking about it, just because it makes us feel a little awkward to mention the Holy Spirit. It is not a biblical approach. We need to also set aside, I talked about it last week, our denominational and religious labels. We have inherited such 
terrible religious traditions that are so embedded in us that we think that it has to be the way that we were told. I mean, Pastor so-and-so told me ever since I was three years old when I started going to, to Sunday school. And it's just like, you know, that's what I've received and that's what I believe. And I don't care what you show me from the Bible. I believe it. That's just not right. You know how many things that God just like literally transformed in my mindset? So many different approaches to believing God and, and, and going to church and the traditions that we embrace for so long in our lives without even thinking, is this actually biblical? We have to ask ourselves those questions. Jesus <clears throat> spent a whole lot of time in his ministry addressing the religious spirit that was in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I mentioned to you last week something specific. You'd have to go back and listen to it. But they had a way, they had a knack for beating, getting around the law so that, that it would basically... Uh, uh, address their own needs and not do what was actually being written for everybody. And so today we're going to go back to our text and we're going to analyze a little bit more about the comforter, the advocate, our helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. John 14 and verse 16 is our text. And it basically says, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. And I, I put those words on purpose just to identify, depending on the translation that you are reading from, that there are different ways that you can actually address the, the Holy Spirit as a counselor or advocate, helper or comforter to help you and be with you forever. And so we talked again about being with you. Para is right next to us. He is with us. And then we are talking about kaleo. That literally means our helper. He's the one that is going to give us a specific call. So <clears throat> we talked about last week about the fact that, uh, and I want to, come back to this point, not to reiterate the same thing, but also to mention something that I wanted to say that I did not have a chance to say, that the Holy Spirit helps us in times of need. Now, we, I think we understand that at our lowest point in life, when we are discouraged, when we are down, we're never alone. He's always there when we need him. The Holy Spirit is there. He's para. He's alongside at all times. And so we need to be aware that the enemy of our soul, I mean, if you know that there's an enemy to our soul and our spirit who wants to destroy us, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy of our soul wants us to be isolated, to go into a cave of loneliness. That is where the enemy preys on our feelings and attacks our identity. He attacks our intimacy with God. That is where he comes and he comes hard at us. And the enemy doesn't play nice. He is going to attack and he's going to make you feel minuscule. 
He will make you feel like your relationship with God is absolutely worthless and meaningless, even though, even if, even if you, it was like a small little thing, I don't know, getting upset at one of your kids or yelling at your kids, he'll make you feel like, oh, how dare you do stuff like that? You can't yell at your son or your daughter. I don't know, I'm just giving you perhaps a silly example. But there are things in our lives that he will utilize. He will take what we say, what, the way that we act in certain dispositions of our lives, and he will twist them, and he will make us feel that we are alone, that no one understands, that you are in sin, and you are helpless, useless to God. You cannot live your Christian life that way. Now, the Bible says that we have to resist them, right? Resist the devils and what? And he will flee, right? Before that, it says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. What prevents, have you asked yourself the question, what is it that prevents my growth? What prevents personal revival in my life from taking place? What hinders it? What are some blockages? Last week, there was, that word came out. There were blockages. And we, we, we said, you know, whatever blockage is going on in your life, come and give it to Jesus, right? But there are blockages. There are things in our lives that kind of get in the way of what God wants to do in us. And so we need to resist them. What is it that hinders us on a regular basis as believers? Are you ready for this? I believe that lack of repentance and living a secret life of sin, if, <clears throat> if, if, if one thing that we try to do is to hide behind uh, closed doors, behind uh, uh, a place where we think that nobody sees, nobody hears, no one, it's just me. Shh, don't tell anybody. That hinder, that will hinder each and every time any kind of spiritual growth, any kind of spiritual progress that we're trying to make because the enemy comes and attacks us right in the midst of our little pity party or whatever you want to call it. It hinders, it hinders lack of repentance. Now, if you've been with us for longer than just a service you know that our desire is to be a family. We want to be a family. We're not here to just play religious games. We're open with our failures. We're willing to own our sin so that we can be healed. Repentance, I want to say this a couple of times. Repentance is the master key that unlocks a life of freedom. Repentance is the master key that unlocks the life of liberty. And confession is the support system for that reality. I'm going to repeat that again. Repentance is the master key that unlocks the life of freedom and liberty. And confession is the support system that, uh, for that reality. Now, you say, is that so important? It is. I want you to know that we practice that. I mean, when I get together with, with the pastors and we have our weekly meeting, we come together oftentimes and we say, hey, what's going on? How's it going? You struggling with anything? 
I struggle with it. Yeah. And sometimes we just sit and we, we share what we are struggling with, difficulties that we're going through. We pray for one another. We do that as a staff. We can't just pretend that things will go away. They, things don't go away, guys. Not talking about issues doesn't make them go away. What makes them go away is actually facing them head on and saying, I am not going to give the enemy a foothold in my life. And we attack the issue in a biblical manner. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. I wonder how often we have taken these scriptures and thought, it's okay. One of the things that we prayed for today in pre-service prayer was that God would just allow us to be open and be sincere, right? That we would just not hold back. What does it do to hold back? You know, I will tell you one thing, that you can literally say anything to any of our pastors and leaders here. The devil wants you isolated. He wants you uh, quiet, down, reserved. And whatever you may be facing, you don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit is there. And I want you to know that we as your spiritual family, we're there too. We're there too. We want to be part of your mess, quote unquote. You know what? A lot of churches, I will say this, because I know I've been part of some of those churches, don't want to get their hands dirty with other people's mess. And this is not to say we're better and they're bad. and that, that, That's not my intent. I just want you to know that we're here. We're here for you. And whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be going through, we don't mind. We're not disgusted at what you're going through. We're not upset at your difficulty. You can bless the Lord if you want to. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. It, it's got nothing to do with us and it's got everything to do with what God wants to do in your life. And so I want to open that, that uh, we're not surprised by your shortcomings. You say, why are you not surprised? Because I have my own. And you got your own. We all have them. And so we can look at each other and say, hey, you know what? We are messed up people that are on their way to heaven. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we can start loving on each other the way we truly are. And you don't look at me like I'm some kind of holy man of God because I'm not. I'm just human flesh just like you are. That is what God wants to do. We do not condemn. If we do, we'll be judged with the same measure that we condemn you with. We're imperfect, loved by a perfect father. And I want you to know that you are loved and accepted and you can come with anything that you may be struggling with, you're not alone, my friend. You're not alone. I just wanted to make sure that you understood and you hear our hearts on that. I'm ready to go on. All right. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about a couple of other things. We talked about the Holy Spirit has a job description. And we talked about the fact that his job description is to help us in times of need. But also, he wants to help us to defend our faith. 
to defend our faith. That's something that I've struggled with in the past. Have you ever struggled defending your faith and wondering, how am I going to share? How am I going to respond to someone that tells me something so unique and specific and I do not have the answer? What am I going to do? Now, I've struggled with that in the past. I've literally been paralyzed and have not shared my uh, testimony or my faith with others because I felt like, how am I going to, like, how am I going to talk to this guy or to this woman? There's, they're like way smarter than I am. Way smarter than I am. But listen to what the scripture has to say in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. This is a powerful scripture. It says, and when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Why? For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Oh, I'm so happy about this. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will not leave me fumbling. He is not going to leave me embarrassing myself. Okay, I can testify that when I spoke to some people that were way smarter than I, than I am, that all of a sudden God gave me words that I knew were not my own. I knew that I'm not smart enough to even rebut some of this stuff. How is this even coming to me? I want you to know that to, in order to share your faith, you don't have to be an apologist. You don't have to have a master in apologetics. Apologetics is a study, if you didn't know, or the art of presenting an argument to defend your faith. You don't have to have a, an, a PhD in apologetics in order to do that. One of my professors in, in, uh, in seminary had a PhD in apologetics. He was one of the brilliant minds in Canada, probably known as the top apologist in all of the country. It was a tremendous guy. You talked to him and he was like, wow, can I take you with me? <laughs> can I, is there a, uh, a pocket version of you? Amazing man of God from India, Dr. Kulathangam. I mean, incredible. The guy was just a brilliant mind. But you know what? I don't have to be a Dr. Kulathangam in my life. I just, God calls me to be David Coletta. That's all. And he calls you to be who you are. He doesn't want you to be an apologist. He wants us, you and I, to learn to share our faith in the way of our testimony. Because God, and so important, as we were praying today, Bill shared something that uh, stuck with me, is that, that we all need to learn to develop a testimony. Right? Isn't that what you said? We need to develop a testimony. Why is that? Because the enemy can come against you with arguments, but he cannot attack your testimony. How can he come against your testimony? If God touched you, and God healed you, and God did something for you, and he provided for you, and he gave you peace of mind when you did not have any of those, he cannot attack your testimony. That is why it's so important. All we need to do is not fear people. All we got to do is just testify. Now, of course, we don't want to be completely ignorant. Don't misunderstand the statement that I'm about to make, but the Holy Spirit is more powerful than human arguments. That doesn't mean that we toss our minds 
out the window, but the Holy Spirit is more powerful because when we ask him to help us, he will come and help us. And I have personally experienced that in my life multiple times. Many years ago, <clears throat> uh, when Lois and I were uh, youth pastoring, I had a young man that came to me and he was so frustrated. I'll never forget it, the conversation. So frustrated. He came to me and he said, man, he says, I just... I just, every time I talk to any of my friends, they're just, you know, they, they mention all this stuff, and I just don't have the answers for them. And I'm trying to get, can you help me with this? Can I? I'm like, wait a minute. I said, you don't have to do any of this. Well, what do you mean? And so I proceeded to show him Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. We can put that up again. The second part, it says, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you. What does it say? Will teach you what? Come on, help me out. It says what? At that time. Now, we try to get ahead of God. Because we want to know. I mean, like, God, I want all my answers all in line. And when anybody asks me anything, what well, this, there's the answer. That, there's the answer. There's the answer. There's the answer. I got it. Jesus is saying you don't worry about it because at that time, that means when you're asked the questions. At what time? When you're brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities. When you're brought before your friends and they're accusing you. When your friends are questioning your belief system and why you believe what you believe. At that time, he will reveal, the Holy Spirit will speak into your spirit what you should say. There's something very powerful that happens here at that time. Look at 1 Corinthians 2 and 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Wow! You mean like the Holy Spirit can actually teach me at that moment what to say? I think that that's what that scripture is saying. You agree, Robert? Yeah. I, I, I would think so. We have got to stop being so concerned with how we are going to do what God calls us to do because the Holy Spirit will worry about it for you and me. That's his job the Holy Spirit's job description. That's what we're talking about. He is going to come. He is going to help us, and he is going to give us the words that we need to say. So fear not. It's important that we understand that he wants to help us to defend our faith and when we speak to others about what Jesus is doing for us. <clears throat> the second thing I want to bring real quick is the Holy Spirit helps us to pray effectively in the Spirit. He helps us to pray effectively in the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid, number one, we, so that we have a desire to pray. Because we got to have a desire to pray. And I'm not sure why. I, you know, we actually, Lois and I were reading this book that she received um, uh, just last week, I think. And we're reading a chapter from it, and it is so powerful. I think we're going to have to bring maybe that first chapter. It's just so profound, and it's 
It's about why. Why is it that hinders us corporately as believers from coming together? It is something to, to, to really read. In fact, I'm been, I've been thinking about maybe getting 100 copies and just you know sharing them with everybody because there's something very, very powerful. We need to learn how to pray. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he, he gives us a desire to pray. And but also he teaches us to pray effectively and to pray powerfully. Has God, let me ask you this question, has God has ever, has he ever woken you up in the middle of the night with a burden to pray for somebody? If that's you, put your hand up. Yeah, look at that. Look, look around and see. Yeah, see that? He does that. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? Because there's someone that needs something at a very specific moment, right? Now, I don't know <clears throat> what goes on in your life at that point, but there are a couple of ways that you will feel that expression of that desire. You will either pray in your native language, whether that's English, Spanish, Italian, Chinese, Afrikaans for many of you, South Africans that are here, Polish, doesn't matter what. Brazilian, Portuguese, right? right? God reveals himself in so many ways. And so we can pray in our native language or we can pray in the spirit. The spirit has a language. It's called a prayer language or the Holy Spirit or tongues. Now, tongues can be a matter of confusion. Because for some of us, we have never really faced this topic head on. We have, no one really wants to talk about it because it's like major taboo in church. Like if you talk about tongues in a church that doesn't believe in, I mean, people are just going to run out the door. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm just going to share with you what the Bible says. Then you make a decision. Whether it's biblical or not, it's up to you to decide <clears throat> if you want to believe it. I can tell you that it is biblical. Right? Now, praying in the Spirit means to pray in a heavenly language, a language that is not your native language. Whether, again, it's that Italian, English, French, Spanish, Chinese, Portuguese, Afrikaans, whatever it is, it is not that language. Praying in the Spirit means to pray in a unique heavenly language. A language then is other than your own. Now, in the book of Acts, there is a number of passages. As you read the book of Acts, you see this everywhere, that the apostles will go into a city. And when they will go into the city, they will speak to the believers. And what's the, one of the first things that they would always ask? I'm going to show it to you. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, <clears throat> while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What a weird question to ask. Can you imagine if we had like our uh, hospitality team? But it's like, I, I don't know you. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Is this your first time? Yes. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine that? And yet that's what they were doing. That's exactly what they were doing. They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Dear God Almighty, you have not heard that there's a Holy Spirit? Are you not reading the Bible? Like, have you not read 1 Corinthians? Come on. It's all over there. 
Well, hopefully we're not going to do that. Hank, don't do that. <clears throat> now, there is such a thing as a group of people that, that are called cessationists. Cessationists believe in cessation or the end of something. And the cessationists essentially believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ended when the apostles died. So when the apostles were gone, the gifts were gone, there's nothing else coming out of that group. Therefore, it's done. It's over. It's finished. I cannot find a single scripture in the Bible that supports that view. I cannot see a single point of belief that actually supports that reality. It is not there. It's not there. It's not in the Bible. Now, <clears throat> if you believe that, I, all I can tell you is I challenge you to go into the Scriptures and find something that supports that belief system. Not human traditions, not religious traditions or religious mindsets, but the reality of what Scripture teaches us. Now, speaking in tongues is a mystery and a blessing that God has given each and every one of us. It is church. It is a tool that will give us, first of all, it will give us a desire to pray, but also it will give us the words to pray effectively. There's something very unique about this gift. Praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues is one of our most powerful spiritual weapons. You say, why is that? Because, what did we say earlier? That there is a devil whose purpose and intent is to destroy us, is to keep us down, isolated, moved away from the presence of God and, and, and all that stuff, right? And so, if his goal and purpose is to keep us away from anything that is godly and, 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 not, and keep us isolated, then learning to pray in the Spirit is a weapon because he does not understand what we're praying for. He does not understand that spiritual language, that heavenly language. You say, is that important? Does that matter for my salvation? It's absolutely not. I'm not telling you that you've got to have it in order to get to heaven. But I know one thing. I was talking to a brother, and, and you know who you are. But he was telling me, he says, man, it's like, when I go to coffee to some of these guys, and like, the first thing that I asked him was like, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because you know what? You need... Let's accelerate the process, right? There's something powerful that gets imparted over us when we are filled with the Holy Spirit to capacity. Now, we received the Holy Spirit in order to believe. That is in the Bible. You cannot believe in Jesus unless the Holy Spirit convicts your sin, justice, and judgment. That's in the Scripture, right? But there's something a little bit deeper. There's something a little bit more powerful that goes to the root of sin, that goes to uh, some of those things in our lives that we need to address, and it's called the power of the Holy Spirit. And when He comes and indwells us and He overflows us, the only... I, I, uh, I wanted to illustrate it, but then I thought I'm going to make a mess. <clears throat> but I wanted to bring a glass of water and fill it to the top and say, see that glass of water? That's us, right? That's, I mean, we, we love to walk around saying we're filled. We're filled. But the fact of the matter is that that glass, uh, you know, sooner than later, will start getting emptier 
and emptier and emptier. Why? Because we go through circumstances. We go through issues in our lives, pains, discomfort, and all the other stuff. And so what happens is that we need to have a constant infilling. And I was going to take a jug full of water and just pour it into the glass and just make it overflow from everywhere and make a big old mess of water here. But I'm just, I'm giving you the visual. <laughs> that, that's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to continually pour into us pour into us and what spills out is a life of dedication is a, a a manifestation of who he is and all that he has for us now praying in the spirit is a powerful spiritual weapon and we must embrace it you say where is that in the scripture i'm just going to give you like very very quickly very very quickly i know i didn't read the rest of uh, of acts 1 and 7 but let me read it actually it might be good so paul asked them uh, for what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. That's repentance, right? Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And then, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the, Holy, of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They, there were about 12 men in all. That's something powerful. You can't take that out of the scripture. I'm sorry. And there are more verses like that throughout the book of Acts that are everywhere. Now, let me just say this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 are the three chapters that will give us a lot of definition about the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into all of them, but I will tell you this. In chapter 12, it speaks of tongues as a spiritual gift. In chapter 14, I'm going to tell you why I'm skipping 13 in a minute. In chapter 14, it tells us that tongues uh, are for spiritual edification because when we speak in tongues or in this heavenly language, we speak to God, not to men. But it also says this, that in the assembly... If, you, if someone has a message in tongues, you're responsible for that interpretation. It's called order. We believe in order here, by the way. I've been part of, of a, a, a church or two throughout my life where like everyone would just like, it was just like, it's like taking paint and just like, we're going to paint the walls. <clears throat> and it was mass confusion, honestly. God is not a God of confusion. God is a God of order. And so if we learn to do things biblically, we're going to do things in order, in God's order. Not my order, not your order, but God's order. Not the leadership's order, but the way God's intended from the very beginning. <clears throat> and so if it says here that you have a tongue, you are responsible for giving that interpretation. It says that, if we speak or sing in the, in the Spirit, our minds uh, and, and, and sing both in the Spirit and we can also sing in our minds using commonly spoken language, right? We can do it one and the other way. But in the middle of all this, it's chapter 13. And chapter 13 is critical. And I'm sure you've heard this before. Chapter 13 is a chapter of love. We have got to do everything we do in love. Everything out of love, out of love for God. And so our prayer tongue, our, our, our heavenly language, if you will, is not just so that we can put a, a label on 
filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Glory to God, I'm better than anybody else. No. No. We do what we do in love, out of love. And that is important. Love is number one. Because you know what Paul says there? He says that if you speak the, the tongues of men and angels, but have no love, what are you? A resounding gong. Just making void, empty noise that means absolutely nothing, even to God, because there's no love. We have got to do everything in love. But remembering that in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with something, whatever you took in will come out of you, right? I'm just giving you practical examples. There's really no way that I can exemplify it other than just speaking in tongues right now for you, which I'm not going to do. <clears throat> but uh, the fact of the matter is that if you have a good meal at a great restaurant, you can't stop talking about it, can't you? Like I went to that place, and it was so good, and I had uh, that bread. I mean, they make the best bread in town. And, oh, their mac and cheese were just like, oh, and, oh my gosh, that food was just delicious. Like, you wish somebody would just say, just shut up about it. I mean, I'm going to go eat myself. Where is it? Give me the address, or give me, like, a, a, a gift card to the place so that I can go and enjoy it. <clears throat> There is something very powerful in all of this. And so we go through situations, we go through struggles, we go through events in our lives that are beyond our control. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in us. I'm just going to leave it at that because there's so much more that I could say. I wanted to bring in Romans chapter 8 <clears throat> when it talks about I think it's a little bit of a confusing issue for a lot of people that says that the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that cannot be uttered. And I think a lot of people have understood that to be the Holy Spirit. It really, <clears throat> or speaking in tongues, it really isn't because uh, groanings that can't be uttered are contrary to what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, that when we speak in tongues, we're uttering mysteries. So the two of them don't go together. <clears throat> but there is something very powerful that we need, and we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit because you know what? He wants to be there, and he wants to pray. He, he wants to teach us how to pray, and also he prays through us. And so when you're going, <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, when you're going through those difficult times in your life, challenging situations, maybe your children are misbehaving or your kids are, have abandoned God and, and you don't know what to do or maybe you lost your job or, or your bank account is greatly impacted. We need the Holy Spirit right at that point. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. <clears throat> Let me close with this. The Holy Spirit is our coach. He coaches us. A coach teaches, he advises, he corrects, he instructs, he guides, he directs, he prepares a student or an athlete to do whatever they're wishing to do. A basketball coach will teach you how to dribble the ball. He'll teach you how to understand the game and what to do when you're on the court. 
A baseball coach will instruct a pitcher how to throw the ball, curveball, knuckleball, fastball, all kinds of different types of balls. And a hitting coach will help you make contact, when to strike the ball and, and how to strike it and all that. A vocal coach will teach you how to sing, to breathe properly, breathe at the right time, breathe correctly, sing on key. A musical coach will help you know your way around an instrument because that's what they do. Now, the Holy Spirit was sent to us for the same purpose, much like hitting a hitting coach that steps up on the plate to, 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 to help or Sorry, a, much like a, uh, a, a hitting coach that will help a, a player that's stepping up on a plate know when to hit the ball, right? You don't want to go too fast or you're going to, the ball is going to come right after you and you will not be able to detect it. I'm not a, I think we would probably need um, Max here to just tell us a little bit. Max was a, a superstar in, in baseball. I don't, I don't even know how to swing a bat. Uh, but, you know, there's ways that a coach can actually help you, right? Now, the Holy Spirit was sent the same way. I want you to know that much the same way as a coach will not step to the plate to hit the ball, the Holy Spirit is not going to do it for us. He's not going to come and say, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. I, I, I got it taken care of. He's not going to do it for us. Now, the Holy Spirit will direct us. He will guide us. He will give us those impressions. He will speak. He will help us to, to, to know when to step in our divine purposes and plans that he has for us. But we must make those decisions for ourselves. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 26. It says, But the advocates, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And it will, re it will remind you of everything I've said to you. What, right in the midst of like not knowing what to do. Oh my gosh, this great pitcher is coming. I got to hit that ball. How am I going to do it? He throws a fastball at 110 miles an hour. You know, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to do it. He will teach you. He will show you. John 16, verse 13, same thing. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Wow. Wow. He's going to tell us what is to come. What is to come. We'll know how to address and handle situations if the Holy Spirit is by our side. To use that coach's illustration, the Holy Spirit will make you and me game ready. He's going to make us game ready. But we have to step into the court. We have to get out on the pitch. We have to do, we have to live this Christian life. We can't adv advocate our responsibility as believers. We can't say, oh, you know what? David and Lois are going to do it. Hank and Kim are going to do it. Oh, Robert and Kathy will take care of all that. No, all of us have a part to play in this game. All of us. And the Holy Spirit is wanting us to be empowered to do this life. Guys, the Holy Spirit is in the business of wooing us. He is calling us. He is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. 
if there is one thing that I wanted to impress through this series is that the Holy Spirit is very real. It's very powerful. The manifestations of the Holy Spirit are very real and very powerful. And we've got to learn to embrace everything that he wants to do. You might say, you know what, uh, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, that's not for me. I'm not very comfortable. That's fine. If you're not comfortable with it, it's okay. No one's going to come to you after you and just tell you, you got to do it or. But if it's in the Bible, wouldn't you say that it would be good to ask the Lord to bless you with it? If, if that gives you an extra weapon to fight the enemy, wouldn't you want to have it? I thought of this. If the apostles went to the believers and the first thing that they asked them was, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? We're no better. We're not going to be more sophisticated because we have comfy chairs and great music and, and all that other stuff. We can't think that we are better than anybody else, and it's certainly not better than the apostles in the New Testament. We need it today more than ever. Guys, we, I don't know if you have looked at the condition of our world. It's a mess out there. It's a mess. The enemy is having a field day. And I want you to know that I need every single individual weapon at my disposal. I want to have the Word of God at my disposal to guide me and lead me. I want to hear the voice of God when He speaks into my heart. I want to hear those impressions. I want to have the Holy Spirit alive in me. You know what? If He says, speak in tongues, <clears throat> because that will help me to pray in a language that is not my own. I'm uttering mysteries. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. But you know what the Holy Spirit does? And it's a step of faith. I'm going to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I need it. I need it. I, I'm not telling you go out of your mind and, and do crazy things to receive it. I'm just telling you God loves you so much that he's given us, given you and me something at our disposal. He wants to help us. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, wants to walk alongside us. He wants us to receive everything that he has for each and every one of us. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive 
all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.